Hello and welcome to the Show Up podcast. This is a place where we explore leadership and what that means for us, where we aim to show up with honesty, vulnerability and curiosity. Use this space to explore what leadership means in your world and how you can show up to be the leader you want to be, whatever that means for you. Welcome everybody to this, the series finale for series two of the show podcast. A difficult second album in the bag, almost. <laughs> Important Christmas Boom. question, gentlemen. Die Hard 2, better or worse than the first? Oh, better. How can you say it's better? How can you not? <laughs> the first one you like, know, that was at the time when the second movie was never very good, right? <laughs> But now they started making Die Hard 2, which is recognised as good, because Derry's officially said it. Recognised <laughs> at least by at least one person. <laughs> All right, Graham, Jamie, how are you both? Good. Good. Not slowing down, but looking forward to Christmas. Yeah, a little throaty, so I might sound a little bit more like Jamie's aspiring deep Attenborough-like tones on the podcast today. But yeah, other than that, I'm good. You do yeah, have a rather husky finish. We are recording this a couple of weeks before Christmas and we are all running pretty hard into Christmas. There's not much sign of slowing down yet. Uh, And we're going to do a little bit of a recap of the series, the second series. There's 10 kind of content episodes in that series. And we also did a prelude where we made some predictions. So we recorded that probably six months ago and made some predictions about what might happen over (laughs) over the six months that have just passed. So we're going to test ourselves and see how well we're doing those predictions. And um, we're going to run through some of the episodes and just talk a little bit about our favorite episodes and some of the things that we've taken from this series. We'd love to hear from all of you about what you've taken from this series and what your favorite episodes have been. And let us know so we can plan for series three, which we will be recording in the new year. They can do that if they subscribe to the newsletter that will come out with this episode. Because they can comment below the newsletters. So we can what hear a great from place to do that. Awesome, isn't it? Subscribe to the newsletter and get more value and tell us what you want and get even more value. What an amazing, oh, amazing mix. It's an early Christmas present for everybody. Generous chaps. Generous. So I one, had just a... before we get into that, one very good shout out. So listen, there's a lady who works behind the scenes on this podcast. Oh yes. And we're going to wish her a happy Christmas. The lady's name is Frances. She's awesome, and she helps us get all of this out there. So, Frances, and I think I can say this on behalf of all three of us, thank you for all that you do to make this ship sail behind the scenes. Absolutely. Derry is clapping for those of you listening to the podcast rather than watching. (laughs) Thank you, Frances. You are an absolute legend. You are, indeed. We appreciate you. So, Derry, where are we going? Well, what we didn't predict was having an absolute legend like Francis helping us out in in Series 2 and going into Series 3. So that has been an excellent, unexpected event of this year. Mm-hmm. So we did make some predictions for what leaders might experience this year. And I think there's broadly three categories. So one was around artificial intelligence and a, a specific prediction that I made that we would see AI move from being 
experimental and not particularly useful into more of a practical tool that leaders can use. Uh, Graham had a bit of that prediction as well, and that leaders would have to start thinking about the consequences of how they integrate AI and think about AI within their businesses. Uh, we also had a prediction around the economy and where that was going to head and high inflation, mortgage costs rising, cost of living crisis looming, and all of that stuff that was a pretty nasty picture six months ago, and how leaders would have to respond to that. And we had a prediction around geopolitical uncertainty and warfare. And I think when Jamie made that prediction, he was thinking more about Russia, Ukraine, than the other conflicts that have sprung up this year. But it's certainly not something that is going away. And uh, made a prediction around social delamination and polarization, which is a topic that we'll come back to when we talk about the episodes, actually. But gents, as you hear those kind of three big predictions, how do you feel like we did on our predictions? Oh, I think I think I win. Um, absolutely. Um, I actually I'm quite impressed with all three of them. In that, at, the, at that that point in the year, I think there was a lot of optimism, uh, and therefore the second of those, the economic uncertainty. While it was a prediction, there was it was definitely possible that things could have moved another way. But I think we're still feeling that that ever tightening squeeze. Um, I'm I'm quite I'm quite impressed that we've kind of gone down the route of it's the real life application of AI now that's now prominent. That's what leaders are having to deal with. Absolutely. It's not a, an idea anymore. Economic squeeze, definitely. And certainly polarization that's showing up all over the place. So maybe we're quite good at this. Yeah, I definitely get the feeling that we're our fingers were on a pulse of the world. For sure. At the time, I think what surprises me is I think, like think back to what we predicted and then the reality of the world that took place how severe some of this stuff would feel mm. they said that like at the time we were just on the tails of the russia ukraine conflict really settling in and then two uprisings have appeared since on top and it's certainly well it's certainly i think had a factor to play in the other two for sure, because you look everywhere, the continuing rise of cost of goods is placed at the hands of more conflict around the world. Uh, just bought some sprats for the dog. They were £2.95 last December, £4.75 today. So sprats are now my official economic gauge for inflation and, and all those kind of things. Um, the the sprats inflation index. The Spass Inflation Index <laughs> created here. Predictions for 2025. <laughs> um, and then, um, yeah, just like you say, AI becoming mainstream. I, I had to write something the other day. And my first thought was, I haven't got much time to write it. I'm going to get AI to write me the start of a 10, and then I'm going to edit it. Whereas yeah. 12 months have they gone, I need to find myself two hours because I need to sit there and think through this because it's got to be a carefully written thing. Likewise, mm. I use AI as my kind of primary learning tool. Right? I go to chat, chat GPT before Google very often now if I want to learn about a topic. Not if I want to find some current piece of information, but if I want to learn about a topic, that's where right. I go. The, uh, it's interesting you talk about the, the intensity of these moves 
because I think AI, not in a negative way, but AI has moved with an incredible intensity as well. And where we are now versus where we were six months ago, 12 months ago is just extraordinary. Well, um, I'm actually seeing some real, like real world impact of that with my consulting clients, for example, where they are actively thinking about a total remodeling of their business model and reducing kind of junior headcounts by 30, 40, 50%. And having to figure out what's the right balance between long-term talent development and succession planning versus short-term cost efficiency, all enabled by an AI. And it's just throwing the whole whole piece up. So people don't know what to do. And we did talk about that, didn't we? That leaders would be given a choice and they have to make a choice. And that's... Yeah. What they're gonna, what they sounds like they're doing. Well, in the confluence of the second item that we predicted, which is the continuing squeeze, it's it's really driving where those choices are going. Yeah, AI to drive efficiency, AI to reduce cost, AI mm. to get get rid of people that would otherwise be an overhead that you could mm. you could do without at the moment in terms of AI economics, the automation of the human mind. <laughs> I mean, Elon Musk predicted recently that we're, I think, three years away from general artificial intelligence. It's just it's so it's moving so fast; it's crazy. And mm. we won't get into future predictions now, but um, we'll do that at the start of series three, maybe. But probably, it's. Uh, I think we did a pretty good job on our, our predictions. The other one on the the cost of living crisis, it's an interesting one. That actually, so when I'm in London, you know, once a week or so. I quite often say I don't see a lot of sign of cost of living crisis here. There's people out in restaurants eating dinner at, a, at inflated prices, paying eight pounds a pint in the pubs, and there's there's people out there spending money. But I think broader than that, out of that little niche, which is a bit of a protected bubble economically, I think it is really starting to bite. And what I'm noticing is, again, in my, my client base that people are making decisions that next year is going to be tough and they're saying we're we're going to do a tight budget and we're going to be conservative and we're not going to spend money and uh, apart from on things that we view as absolute essentials so that is definitely playing into the decisions that leaders are taking as they think where and when should we be spending money should we be investing in our businesses and again very difficult decisions to take and if you put that in the context of ai and the cost efficiencies that you can get from AI, it's driving some short-term thinking mm. around let's get cost out of the business because we don't know what the economy is going to be like. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of organizations, on. the luxury spend element and how they can reduce luxury spend seems to be high on their agendas, um, which will have a consequence on the way a business grows. Um, because we know some of those luxury spends do impact the bottom line. Um, but when the bottom line is challenged in other ways, they've got to look at making cost saving. Um, as we've just talked about, I think on a personal sense, I think I think the time to to the point of sale is changing. Whereas people might do something with a regular like go to the pub. You know, they might they may have gone, you know, every week previously. They might go, well, I'm going to go every two weeks and I'm going to invite people around to my house and sit in my pyjamas and have a drink. Well, like, there's little pivots as well. Like, I saw one in, in, in late, in, you know, in broader Britain. Phenom of this Christmas 
premium advent calendars where the size of the thing you get in your advent calendar is almost like a stock. It's like a whole stocking fillers worth of stuff. And it's been spread out over the whole month and you're paying 35, 50, 60, 80 pounds for that advent calendar. Whereas previously it used to be three, four quid for some chocolate, you know? And I wonder whether that's replacing that dynamic of what people spend at Christmas, that they make it last for that experience for the whole of the month with less presents on Christmas day itself. <laughs> and that's a sign of that getting greater va perceived value out of the good, but the cost coming down potentially. Just an mm. observation. Ah, it's rather interesting. Well, we'll find out because my stocking won't be, you know, open until Christmas Day itself, and I'll find out whether my wife has taken the harder economic decisions for us when I get a bit of coal at the bottom of the yeah, sock. piece of coal, Some coal, <laughs> invaluable, hundred years ago. Shall I do a quick look back and see what we've um, yep. touched on? Um, and then if you can just you know, shout loudly when you think, oh, that was a great episode for my perspective. Because um, we've actually had a really interesting year. We started out um, just looking at some of the major leadership trends, which I've we touched on just a little bit now. We then talked about um, actually the challenge of stopping things, organizational bloat. Um, but taking us back some way now, but I remember that being quite an interesting one. It's the kind of the contrary uh, or the contradictory behavior of we're very good at adding stuff, starting new things. In fact, we're always encouraged to consider the bright, shiny new stuff, but actually bloat and inability to stop things is uh, a real problem and actually is a really good uh, test of good leadership. We then I actually... remember Jamie from that episode. The I think it was one of your clients or or somebody used to work where they had a myriad of different policies and processes for starting things and not a single one for stopping anything. Yeah, a well-known global bank. Um, yeah. 30, 39 processes and policies documented in the manual on how to start something, but not a single one on how to stop it. Yeah, fascinating that was. I, I suspect they probably still haven't. Yeah. Um, we then had our first couple of guests we had professor joe amani that was brilliant listening to him one of the most accessible um and listenable if that's the right word professors i think i've ever come across it was an absolute delight having him on he was introducing us to how he's playing around with and was at that stage starting to advise and experiment with ai for small businesses or small medium-sized businesses um that, that episode was closely followed by our second guest ian hallett um, who you chaps had a, a, the pleasure of chatting with about his own leadership model um, and what's worked for him. He's had a, a pretty cracking career. He's actually now in the midst of his own PhD. And I think on the hot on the back of coming on our podcast series, he's decided in 2024 to launch his own uh, called Frontiers, which I think would be worth awesome. a good listen. Um, so that I was, was really um, struck by his... his um... He articulated a career essentially as a series of opportunities to leave an impact, and I thought that was such a brilliant way of thinking about it for for modern leaders in particular. Like, get yourself in an environment where you can make an impact, learn some stuff, and take that into your next challenge, and you get maybe ten chances to do that in your career. So choose wisely. Otherwise, yeah, I love that conversation. Yeah, I liked with both of them the authenticity of which they spoke. You know, Joe, deeply investigative of the space that he works in. But 
I, I got the impression it was so continual for him. It was never, I'm there. I've never reached a finish line. It was like, I've got to a milestone, but I'll move to another one. Cause that, and like, and, and Ian's version of that was the, like you say that journey. And he just gets to milestone moments that he does something at, and then he moves on to another milestone moment for himself. Just, yeah. Uh, just real flesh on the bones of something so simple from both of them was the impression mm. I was left with. Yeah, well, we could we had come back to some more guests later in the year, which for me were also remarkable in terms of how they introduced stuff to stuff to us. Before we got to them, we had a an episode where we talked about leadership around the world, different models of leadership that exist in perhaps different industries and different cultures. Oh, do you remember the picture? And yeah. the picture, yeah. And isn't that the first time when we did a bit of a pop quiz? Yes, uh, where we had we were pitted against each other for the first time on. And on our appreciation of what what leadership models and structures might be about, um, that again was it was kind of a fascinating journey through what I find I sometimes overlook in that a lot of parts of the world people have a fairly fixed view of what does leadership look like, and yet that can all be changed in a matter of minutes, as we've seen this year, when something brand new turns up that is a real turbulent disruptor. So how do you move away from being fairly fixed as to this is the way we operate here compared to, well, how do we now be in service of something? What does that look like from a leadership model, structure, et cetera? Um, we, we touched about- on the implications for diverse teams in that context as well and how you can mold your leadership style to the different members of your team and that they might have completely different expectations of what of how a leader behaves effectively. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we come back to diversity later on in the year as well. Um, diversity, I think, is going to be a recurrent theme, both in terms of how you structure, how you think, how you look, how you feel. Something just keeps coming back up and again and again and again. Um, we actually did spend a little bit of time in episode six talking about burnout um, and the impact of uh, some of the stresses that people have been feeling. I think notably the increase um that most people would recognize is now not just a blip but as a consequence of the turbulence psychologically emotionally uh, since we have started the experience of the pandemic in 2020 and continue through very disrupted times and changing ways of working and thinking about who we are um, and how that's having an impact on us um we then touched on one of my um all-time favorite models the ladder of inference when we started to talk about labels and how quickly we can get into labeling and and what purpose it serves. And um, that was one which was a very healthy reminder for me. And I think after that episode, I'd spent more time noticing or more frequently noticing how often I label others, myself, a situation without even thinking of it. Just so spontaneous and yet so limiting in some, in so many ways, but a necessary part of human cognitive makeup it was kind of a real eye-opener for me on that one um and uh, i don't know whether you guys found that one as well it just deeply resonated um our next guest was a very good friend of mine tony quinlan who introduced us to some elements of complexity theory but um just how he uses stories to help make sense of 
deeply complex systems. You guys did the interview on that one, didn't you? Yeah, I love that. I love that conversation. It was so Tony was just fascinating. Um, mm. I really picked up on the idea of uh, anecdote circles that he that he brought in, which was just taking the time. It doesn't need a lot of time, but taking the time to get people in a team telling stories and using that to uncover the myths and legends and realities of what's actually going on in yeah. in an organization. Funny. Literally, just before we started recording this podcast, I was doing a workshop with the team on well-being. But it wasn't about how you have well-being. It was how do you recognize that someone might need support to have better well-being or recognize the signs of mismanaged well-being. And it's funny, we had five minutes at the end and it had gone quite deep and we'd got into a lot of the stuff and and those things from there. And I just said, so, well, well let's, you know, we've got five minutes at the end. Why don't we learn a bit about each other? I said, what's your favorite 11s is? And it started an anecdote circle because people started that conversation around what their favorite thing to eat at 11 o'clock in the morning was. It included someone not even knowing what 11s is was. Funnily enough, they were a millennial and the rest of the group wasn't. <laughs> And so, but yeah, so I I used it in practice today. It's great stuff. Just really good stuff that um, Tony's, and just even the way he, I don't mean he spoke like he was permanently in story, but there was just a bit of Jack and Ori about him when he was speaking that just got me really nice and warm and fuzzy. So Uh, he he has a gift, uh, both at telling stories and helping people share theirs and capture them and make sense of them. Um, we'll come back onto him. I would love to be able to get him back at another time. Um, the next guests, this was uh, only a month or two back, Rosie and Adam was just one of my favorite episodes of all time, I think. Just having the opportunity to hear their experience of professional life, personal life. I think I was awestruck a little bit. Um, I think there's a bit of fandom um, in terms of what particularly Rosie um, has achieved in her contribution to both her own family life, people around her, um, and Adam as well, uh, in different ways, how he's sort of lent into his own challenges. And then he's built a business, um, as has Rosie, but Rosie's kind of sequentially started lots of businesses. That was just a, a wonderful experience and exploration of of life through a different lens. Yeah, I mean, I... I... A topic very close to my heart neurodiversity and um it was i really really enjoyed getting the chance to speak to the two of them about that having I've spoken to them individually but getting them both together to have that conversation was was superb and inspiring and i was struck actually by how different so it, i think they are both diagnosed autistic and i identify as autistic and our experiences are all very different despite that label, you go back to the labels episode and it really struck me how I can't just assume that my experience is the same as others' experiences, regardless of what labels we may have in common. And it was just wonderful to to hear the two of them tell their stories. Yeah, I think I picked up some uniquely practical suggestions um, on how a leader uh, can accommodate in fact, embrace and encourage um, diversity of thought in a team without it necessarily becoming stigmatized. I thought that was fabulous the way they suggested, you know, 
when you're suggesting for new ideas, don't just set a time frame. It's got to be in this meeting. Give it two to three days, but set a deadline. Just gives allow some recognition that not every, not everybody can think or does think in the same way, but they've all got a contribution to make. So some really wonderful stuff there. Um, and then we've wrapped up the series um, talking about stress, just as you'd like to. That like you know, warm and fuzzy positive note. Last time we spoke about how stress impacts leadership behavior and how people are therefore, I think, going to need to recognize, particularly in a, as we predicted, in an environment that could feel less and less settling, uh, in fact, more turbulence. I think the word turbulence is what I hear more and more frequently these days. Um, leaders are having to be not only comfortable in themselves in turbulence, but work as a as a front or a, an advisor or create space for others in that kind of environment. How do you handle the stress of that? So that was the little walkthrough of the series. I, I yeah, to, that stress one's big, especially yeah. coming up to like the holiday season. I think that stress yeah. one's really, people will be de-stressing through the holiday season. Um, it'd be really interesting if somewhere someone does a review of the types of travel people are doing. And whether, you know, they're traveling less, whether they've saved money all year to go on a Christmas break just to get away from it all. Just some of the choices people are making in reaction to stress um, at this time, I think could be quite fascinating to see how they show up in the world. My uh, my wife's blog post this um, this week, actually, uh, womaningwisely at substack.com, little plug for her blog, um, was about seasonal affected disorder uh, and how you know, people just genuinely feel sad at this time of year for a whole bunch of different reasons and how that uh, actually drives increased consumption of carbohydrates um particularly in the afternoon and so if you're sitting there feeling a bit down in the dumps because you're feeling stressed and burnt out after a busy year and you're eating biscuits in the afternoon there may be a reason behind it Go and read her blog to find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Oh, I think if good... I if I had to pick an absolute favorite episode out of those ten, which is very difficult, um I I would go back to Tony's one around stories. I think it's because it's very close to to my heart and I think a lot about storytelling and it was just one wonderful to have that conversation with him that's probably the one i'd go back to and re-listen to the most readily although it's it's hard to pick one because there were so many good conversations in that yeah if i think about the episode that had the most profound impact on me it was definitely that rosie and adam one um you know i was in a i was in a moment where i needed to find a book while i was away and I found a book on neurodiversity, which shared some great research. And I then went and bleated about it for three weeks because it was really is a very good book that offers some really, I think, profound insights as to how people can step forwards um, confidently with um, neurodiverse patterns. Uh, so that was cool. that that had a profound impact for me. Uh I'm a big fan of every episode because we recorded them, right? I'm selfish, not going to lie. Um, but I think every single one has had something in it that I've gone, huh, yeah, I need to think about that. Yeah. I think I th think the episodes, all the episodes where we've had guests on has been a been an absolute joy. Um, a big thanks to all of them for making the time 
and showing up the way they did um, yeah. authentically vulnerably with humor uh, they were all warm um, uh, as guests and, and just gave of themselves and I think that for me has really made this season just the the, the, the new voice or voices um, and I look forward to the fact that we've already got two or three people lined up for season three yes season three we're already planning for it. Um, I think we're going to have some very interesting mixture of guests coming along. We've got um, folks that, uh, Graham, you've had the joy of working with in the world. Oh, we've of... got to save them for the, the warm-up for Season 3 episode. We're going to t- okay, so... I don't think we tease them too much today. We tease the newsletter more. Get the newsletter more than <laughs> Season 3. Just make sure you come back for Season 3. Okay. All right. Then we'll, we'll, yeah, I'll my my only prediction for Season 3 is we'll have more guests because guests, yes. guests are great. Absolutely, absolutely. So, chaps, what are your plans for Christmas? I'm going to try and switch off for a few days and just hang out with the kids, eat some food and drink some nice wine. That's about the limit of my ambition. Yeah, presence with the family definitely is on my list. Um, Presence actually with myself. I really want to... I noticed as you asked that question, Jamie, I really want to spend a little bit of time thinking what would I like to 2024 to be about? Um, I know from my own personal experiences this year, you know, the feelings of burnout have been greater this year than I can remember in the last two decades. So, and I've been spending the last few months working through that. Um, and I'm just starting to feel like there's some energy brewing about a direction of travel, and I, I want to work that out. And that's just going to need a little bit of nice creative time just to, to to navigate that. So, which is exciting. I like those moments. And get rid of this stinking cold I've got, because mm. I really do sound worse as this episode is getting. I'm getting an octave deeper every ten minutes. Feels like. I know that the sound mixing on this one's going to be a bit more challenging as you're trying to work out how many points in the graphic equalizer have got to change to, to retain. And then suddenly I start sounding like a chipmunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would, I would echo both of you. I think a bit of uh, downtime um, with the family. I'm looking forward to that. Um, it's been a transitionary year in many respects for me. Um, and I'm going to spend a bit of time reflecting on what that's felt like um, and what it's meant, what sense I can make of it. Um, as, as I sort of start to look forward into 2024, uh, knowing that at least one thing is for certain that we'll carry on doing this stuff, which I'm really looking forward to um, beyond the start of what I hope will be maybe a more positive environment in which we're all going to be operating. Fingers crossed, touch wood and all the rest of it. Fingers crossed. I would say for leaders, take that opportunity. This is the only time of year when everybody's off and emails go quiet. Uh, I know that's not true of every industry, and there were, some of you will be working over Christmas, but probably more than average, you'll get an opportunity to switch off and do that reflection and just take the opportunity because it it only comes around once a year. Yeah. As the, as the great um, Winnie the Pooh once said, sometimes I sits and thinks, and sometimes I just sits. Well, that was Andrew Garner. Oh, yeah. It might have been him as well. He stole it, I think. <laughs> All and right, chaps. On that note, let's call the wrap on Series 2. <laughs>
find any of the subjects we cover in this podcast spark inspiration, curiosity or concern within you, do drop us a line. Details are in the comments below and we'll be happily there to listen and see how we can offer the best support for you. Thank you.